Joy Church, good to see you. How are you doing? I know I'm good. My name is Nikki, and uh, Pastor Jake and Bethany are up at Joy Salem right now. Can we give a hand for Joy Salem? So exciting. So we just planted another Joy Church. There are seven. You can read about them in the lobby. They're in the posters over there. But Joy Salem just launched today. And so um, it's really exciting. They had service at 10 o'clock, so they're probably finishing up now. But uh, we're just so proud of them, um, just following the call of God to go out. Are you guys proud to be a part of a church that's like, let's reach people? Yes. <laughs> I know I am. So, um, if, yeah. So if you see anyone that went up on that team, just thank them. Say thank you for going up there. We had a lot of Joy Churchers from Eugene go up to help support in that church plant. So um, we're so excited for them and we're excited to be a part. So, all right, well, we are continuing on in our series called Mind Games, talking about the mind and win the mind games and get the peace and the joy of the Lord. The peace and the joy of the Lord. This is a beautiful gift that God gives his children. That in this world you will have trouble, but Take heart, I have overcome the world, right? Jesus says these words. And no matter what we go through in life, God promises to be with us. He promises to offer peace which surpasses all understanding. And that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what we go through, God promises that he will be there, his spirit will be there. And I shared first service that I woke up to our... I woke up to a text this morning that was really, um, really wrecked me <laughs> in a good way. Um, a few days ago on Friday night, I got a text in the family group chat that my, my brother, Ryan, not the one that plays bass here, but my brother, Ryan, he lives in Missouri, and his oldest son, Willem, were in a bad car accident. And all I knew was that Ryan had been life-flighted to a hospital, and that Willem was waiting to be life-flighted in the next flight. And that Willem was there alone with a police officer holding his hand, a little 12-year-old boy, with two broken femurs, bruised lungs, um, some kind of bleeding going on, another in his spleen, and just in a bad condition. And I got a text. So when we got that, it, it wrecked me when we got that message, not knowing if my brother was going to be alive, not knowing if Willem was going to make it. And it's just heart heart-wrenching. You know, that's all of our worst nightmare, is losing somebody that we love. And... I went to my friend, my roommate, Ara, and I was like, Ara, will you pray with me? And I'm just like kind of hysterical, crying, just like what could be happening right now? And you just think of the worst. And thank God um, their lives were spared and they're okay. And they're in the hospital being treated right now. But what kept breaking my heart over and over was just imagining Willem, 12 years old, in the, it was like almost midnight, in this car without his dad, not knowing how his dad's going to be. He's got two broken femurs. And he's all alone. And what's going to happen to me? And what just happened? And it's just so scary. And I just kept crying, thinking about him going through that alone. And this police officer left a, a message on my mom's phone saying, you know, I was with him. And then talked to her later, said, yeah, I was with him. And we got the news recently this morning that um, the police officer said that as they were extracting Willem from the car, they said, Willem, this is going to hurt. It's going to be hard, but we're going to take you out of the car, and you can scream, you can yell, you can swear, you can say whatever bad words come to your mind, just let it out. So Willem was given a free card, you know, just <laughs> all this stored up, you know, stuff. He was going to be able to let it out. And this morning, the text I got, it said, this happened, and Willem said, no, I will not swear, I will worship my God. 
And so as he was being extracted out of the car, he's singing praises to God. He's declaring that God is good. You know, God is in my situation. He's with me. And I just want to say that over you right now, that God can give you the peace that surpasses all understanding, that even when you're in the middle of a tragedy, God wants to come alongside you and give you that peace and give you that joy and allow you to worship even in the worst spot. That is the mind of Christ that he calls us to have, that he has offered us to have this mind that says, even in the worst, I will worship. I trust my God. And how many of you guys are like, I want the heart of Willem. (laughs) I, I need that. I need that. And so we all need that. I think they're watching maybe right now. He might be in a surgery right now. Um, They worked on his one leg yesterday, and they're working on the other one today. And my brother's waiting for um, surgery as well and getting to know what needs to happen and all that. But God's taking care of them. But beyond just physically, God is with them in their hearts and in their minds and giving them the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is what we are all called to have. I know that that is really these hard times in life is when the rubber meets the road and we find out what, what your God is made of and where you're at. The Bible talks about, you know, have you built on a solid rock? Is your house made of straw? Is it made of things that when the wind comes and the waves, they, they, they come, is it being crashed down? Or are you built on the solid rock? With, built with the things that God calls us to build our lives with, and will you withstand the storm? And he promises if you build your life on him, you will be able to withstand the, the craziest of storms. Amen? Amen? So Pastor Jake spoke an incredibly truth-centered, practical message addressing anxiety, fear, and worry, and he provided amazing tips on how to win in those areas and get the peace and the joy of God. It's it's amazing and it's worth listening to again and really doing the work provided the the tools that he provided and I want to continue the conversation this morning about winning the battle in our minds winning in our minds and taking victory there God has great investment in your mind he cares about the state of your mind he cares about what's what what's living there and what's driving your life and he wants to help you get your mind in order I was in middle school youth, or uh, sorry, get my mind. Uh, I was in youth group. We call it Joy Students. So I was in Joy Students on Wednesday night. I lead a group of middle schoolers, and they're awesome kids. And we've been talking about uh, the body of Christ and what is the church and how each of us is a different part of the body. And I, we had this little small group, and I'm leading it. And I thought, okay, I need a just on the spot. I was like, okay, I need a break the ice question. And I made a bold question. I said, this wasn't very wise, but it turned out okay. I said, if you could be any body part, which one would you want to (laughs) be? You know, that could go really bad with a bunch of middle schoolers. (laughs) Some of you guys, I wouldn't trust to answer that question. But yeah, if you could be any body part, what would you be? And so we start going around. Some of them are like, want to be the lips. Um, I said, stop there, move on. And and then someone else said, oh, I want to be the hands, like punch people, or I don't know, um, stuff like that. They were going around why, why this body part's better than that one and why I want to be that one. Then finally, got to one kid, and he said, I want to be the brain, because the brain controls the rest of the body. I said, wow, you are smart. That is good. And how many of you guys know that brain controls the body, but the mind controls your life? Your life is dependent on what is going on in your mind. Your mind is controlling your life, and so that's why God has great investment in our minds. 
before what happens to our bodies, before what happens in our circumstances and everything, God is concerned about what is happening in your mind, and he has great investment in there. So I want to read a few scriptures that talk directly to this. Some of them Pastor Jake read last week, um, and some of them are new. So this first one, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's the New King James Version. And the Amplified Version says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, which it explains as abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Talking about how to get the joy, how to get the peace of God When we get the mind of God, when we get the spirit of God, we can have the mind of God and we can have that. All right, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When our minds are transformed, when we have this renewing of our mind, we get to know what the will of God is in life. We get to honor him in life. And then 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 16, this one's kind of long, and it gets maybe a little confusing if you just read it once, but we're going to focus on the first verse and the last verse. It says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? Wow. We have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. If the spirit of, that comes from God is instructing your life, you have the mind of Christ. And that's really beautiful. Okay, so how do we have the mind of Christ? What is that? Having the mind of Christ will impact every area of your life. The sins that you struggle with, you know, your anxiety, your anger, lust, greed, pride, when you have the mind of Christ, those things are under control. Our situations and environments and everything that we go through with the mind of Christ, it's going to be different. You're going to, instead of exclaiming profanities, you're going to be worshiping God and having the peace of God. When you have the mind of Christ, your relationships are going to be impacted for the better. He's going to show you how to navigate those hard conversations and those difficult feelings. And the mind of Christ instructs us how to have relationships that honor God. The mind of Christ um, shows us how to interpret what has happened to us. Maybe we've gone through some difficult things and we're carrying that into our, our, our today and our tomorrow. The mind of Christ helps us to understand how God would think about that situation and what we need to do. And it helps us in our present. How am I thinking about right now? The mind of Christ is there to instruct us in our now. And the mind of Christ is there to instruct us in the future and how we should think about our future. Is it a future of hope or is it a future of despair? Is it a future, you know, that has God's prosperity and joy and I'm just expectant? Or is it like, oh, I don't know, nothing's going to get better. The mind of Christ impacts every area of our life. 
So what is the mind? When we talk about the mind, what is that? I think it's good to define. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia sounds like it knows what it's talking about. I mean, just by the name. It states, biblically, the mind is simply the inner being, that intangible inner being that's there. We can't explain it with science. It's just there. Or the sum of total of all our mental, emotional, and spiritual faculties without drawing fine distinctions between them. So it's kind of like we don't exactly know how to explain what the mind is. It's not just your thinking. It's not like how smart you are and what you got on your, uh, on your test. And thank God, right? Because, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I passed school. But um, anyway, but thank God, you know, that's not a requirement. But it's not your intellect because there's a lot of people that are really smart, but then when you look at the life, it's kind of a mess, right? Their brain might be controlling their body, but it isn't controlling their life. Their mind is controlling their life. So it's that inner being within us. And so I kind of talked a little bit about what is the mind of Christ and how it, what, like, well, at least what does it affect, but this is what the mind of Christ is. It's having our thinking, our understanding, our feeling, our desiring, and our willing submitted to Christ. It's taking on the inner being of Christ as our own. It's a life driven by the will of God, sustained by the peace and the joy of God, and it's found in the love of the Father. You know, we look at Jesus, obviously, when we say, what is the mind of Christ? Well, we should look at Christ, <laughs> right? We should look at what mind Christ had, because he kind of decided what that was going to be like. Um, and we look at him, and he says over and over to the disciples and to the people that were coming to challenge him, he says, I only do what my Father does. I only say what my Father says. So Jesus, the mind of Christ, is a mind that defers back to the Father and says, whatever you say, I'll say. Whatever you do, I'll do. The mind of Christ is informed by the Father. And we see in Matthew 16, 23, Jesus is rebuking Peter. It says, get behind me, Satan. He calls Peter Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus was going, he just had been explaining to everyone what was going to happen. He was predicting his future um, torture and death and what was going to happen ahead of him. And he knew what was going to happen. And he was anticipating it. He was finally saying what was going to happen. And then Peter comes in and he's like, Jesus, no, this isn't going to happen to you. Stop talking so negative. Stop being so, you know, like anxious or like so worried about what's going to happen. And absolutely not. I will not let you, I won't let that happen to you. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm your bodyguard, Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. Why? Because Jesus was human, right? 100% human, 100% God. And he's anticipating this difficult thing coming his way. And Peter is kind of giving him a little bit of a stumbling block saying, hey, do you want to take, hey, like we could go this route, Jesus. This isn't going to happen. And Jesus is going, no, I am submitted to the Father. You have in mind the concerns of humans, I, or merely human concerns, but you do not have in mind the concerns of God. And so as we live our life, if we have the mind of Christ, we have the same mind that Jesus had that says, you know what, I'm not going to look at just what the, the human concerns are and mere human uh, mindset and mentality. No, I'm going to look at what the Father has in mind, even if it means pain, even if it means trial. That's what the mind of Christ is. It says, come hell or high water, I'm going to follow God. That is the mind of Christ. So I have a few points here. And how can you win the mind games and get the peace and the joy of the Lord 
And obviously, we've been talking about the mind of Christ. Well, the first thing is you need a mind replacement. I know it's funny, but it's true. I don't know about you, but there's been times in life where I just want to escape. And I think the solution to all my problems is like moving to the Bahamas. I used to imagine this. I'm not lying. I used to close my eyes and I'm like, I work at a tiki hut on the Bahamas. I make smoothies all day. And then I have these cool friends, and we go to the beach, and we have bonfires, and we just play the guitar. And I'm like, that's my dream life. And I just think, oh, if I could just get that, everything will be good. And then I have this wisdom come up, and it's like, yeah, but your mind's the problem. <laughs> like, it's not your circumstances, Nikki. This isn't why you're miserable. It's actually your mind. <laughs> Has anyone else ever felt like escaping? And then you realize, oh, but I'm still myself. <laughs> yes. That is true. And so we need a mind replacement. You can go to the dentist and get teeth replacements. You can go to the hairstylist and get hair replacements. You can get probably any replacement you can think of. But you cannot get a mind replacement here on earth. The only one that can give us a mind replacement is God. And we need to go to him for our mind replacement. We see this in Ezekiel 36, 26, where he promises a new heart and a new spirit. It says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He's talking about, hey, I, I'm where you come to go get a mind replacement, a heart replacement. You know, it's like God's like, I, you, this is what you need, and I'm going to do it for you. And this comes up multiple. It comes in, up in Jeremiah as well and another time in Ezekiel where God says, you need a new heart. You need a new spirit. You know, the state of our mind without Christ is leaning towards depravity. It leans towards depravity. It says here in Romans 1.28, furthermore, after it's already listed a bunch of problems that are going on in humanity, it says, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. God said, okay, you don't want the knowledge of God. You don't want to live life by my standards or by my truth. And so I'm going to let you take this path. And where that path led was depravity. It led to a mind that was depraved. And when we reject God, we take on a depraved mind, with, which results in a life of sin, destruction, difficulty. All of, I mean, not just difficulty, but sin and destruction. And so Jesus is our Savior, and he is the way that we have this mind replacement take place. And when we confess our sins and we recognize that Jesus is our only hope, and we trust, we put our faith and our trust in him, then we get that mind replacement. God puts his spirit within us, just like that verse said earlier, 1 Corinthians 2.12. When, when we repent and we are born again, we are given the spirit of God. You've been given the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world. And so our mind replacement comes from faith in Christ. It's a miracle. And so if you're in here today and you're a believer, you have this new heart that God talked about. You have this new mind. But what do we do when we go about life and we feel like we don't actually have the mind of Christ? Like, okay, I'm a believer. I should have the mind of Christ. But I'm actually struggling a lot with all these areas, and I'm, I'm not really living that way. Well, the Corinthians that we read about just now, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, it's, Paul said, or actually at the last verse there, he says that, but we have the mind of Christ, right? But we have the mind of Christ. 
But then if you just keep reading the next verse, it starts in chapter 3. He starts talking to them about how you guys are so immature. <laughs> you're like infants. You're like babies. And you're quarreling about silly things, about Apollos or Paul or all these different people. You're quarreling with each other and you're bickering. And he's like, you're immature little babies. And so even though they had the mind of Christ, they were still immature. And so I find myself on this in this life, on this journey of like, okay, God, I need to constantly be renewed. And so you need not just a mind replacement, you need mind renewal. You need mind renewal on a daily basis, on a regular basis, in a moment-by-moment basis. We need to be renewing our minds and looking to God. And so we don't want to be stuck like the Corinthians and be like infants. He's like, I wish I could feed you real food, but I'm over here with a baby bottle trying to feed you guys watered down stuff. It's like, no, I want to grow up past that. I want to have a mature mind of Christ. Romans 12, 2, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes we find ourselves in life going, I don't know what God's will, I don't know. I'm just making mistake after mistake. I keep, you know, burning bridges and relationships and opportunities. And he's, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Sometimes we, we're in the world. How It's so hard to break free from a pattern, right? When you're living in something, it's all going this way, and you're supposed to turn around and go the other way. It's so hard, but he says, break that. Don't become a part of the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in Ephesians 4, through 24, he's talking to the church of the Ephesians, and he's saying, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Not this false righteousness or false holiness and, and not, you know, in your deceitful desires. Be transformed. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And so he's constantly telling the churches in almost every letter you can see an encouragement to keep the process of growth happening, to lean back into what God did when he gave you a new mind, constantly be renewing that. So how can we tell that we need to renew our minds? Well, we're human. So if you are in this room and you're human, you need to renew your mind consistently. A garden tends towards weeds, right? How many guys planted a garden this year? And then you walked out and you were surprised to find that it had some weeds growing up. And you're like, what? And you pull them and then the next two days later you come out and there's more weeds. Like what is going on, right? That's what happens. The same thing happens in our minds as we go about life. We try to have the mind of Christ, and things pop up, and it's like, oh, 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 and we have to constantly be pulling those weeds out because a garden tends towards weeds. Our minds living in this world, in the pattern of this world, it's going to be tend, it's going to tend towards um, going back to our flesh. Um, I've been talking to Pastor Jake recently about culture. And I was just telling him, like, we all love, like, we're sitting in this room because we love Joy Church. We obviously, because we, we love God, but we've chosen to be here because we love Joy Church. And we, we like the way it is. When you walk in, like, hopefully someone greets you and it's really nice and you get free donuts. We're not charging a dollar a pop or whatever. It's like, wow, this is so nice, right? I love this culture of generosity. And we love, you know, the... Just things are taken care of. Pastor Mark does a great job making sure the building is one piece and one color and all the things. It's just nice. Um, other people come in, they tag it, and then my dad goes out and paints it. But it's like, because, you know, a building probably tends towards graffiti, right? 
Um, but we love the way Joy Church is. So we've been talking about culture. And culture is what you celebrate. It's what you communicate. It's what you celebrate and what you allow. The way something feels, it's going to feel that way because you're communicating something. Whatever you're communicating, it's going to feel that way, right? In the same way, your brain, whatever you're communicating, the things that you've got going on in your mind, that is creating the culture and the environment of your mind and the state of your mind. Whatever you celebrate, if you're celebrating, if here at Joy Church, we celebrate Joy Church plants, and we're like, yeah, a new church was born, and we're like, woohoo, so, so awesome, go Thomas and Melissa, and we're so proud to be a part. That's the kind of culture we're going to have. But if we're talking, if we're celebrating, you know, I don't know. I can't think of something appropriate to say, so I think <laughs> I just won't. But if we celebrate stuff that's inappropriate or we celebrate other things, well, we celebrate the ducks all the time, right? We celebrate their victory. We celebrate when the huskies get defeated or whatever, except for when they get wins and it makes us look good. But um, okay, I don't know anything about football, but I heard someone say that last night. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess if the huskies do good now, it makes us look good because they beat us. Okay, I don't know. Um, but anyways, if we celebrate certain things, that's going to become the culture of joy. Well, what are you celebrating in life, right? What are you communicating? What are you letting go in and out of your brain? What are you celebrating? What are you going, wow, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Yeah, I want to, I talk about that. These are the things that I laugh at. These are the things I text my friends about. If those things honor God, it's like that's going to be the garden of your mind. You're, you're, you're going to, the culture of your mind is going to be tending towards that way. And then what we, it's what we celebrate and what we allow. If you allow this or that to come in and take residence, if we allow people to tag the building and we don't do anything about it, it's just going to get more and more like that, right? And in the same way in our minds, if we allow things to come in and just take up residency, that's going to be the way it starts going. And it's going to just kind of keep building and building and building. And so our minds are like a garden. They tend towards weed and weeds. And we need to be diligent to maintain the culture. We need to be diligent to maintain our minds and have the minds of Christ and constantly be renewing our minds. You know, areas to check on yourself. Humor, okay? Humor is, goes through your mind, right? and comes out and it starts cultivating a culture in your life, what you laugh about, what you celebrate. I had a friend in Brazil. He was getting so sarcastic. And sarcasm is funny. It's, it's like part of our American culture. He's so sarcastic, though, but it started burning relationships. People were starting to get offended. Everything was becoming negative in his life. He was starting to see everything with a critical eye because of the sarcasm. And so he felt convicted by God to stop being sarcastic. And so he told us, and we were so surprised. Like, he was the last person we thought would ever stop being sarcastic. And we're like, really? And he stopped, and it completely changed who he was. Like, people wanted to be around him. And then he got a girlfriend and got married. And it was like, wow, <laughs> obey God. So, like, she was, like, not ready. He wasn't ready for her. But the mind of Christ, when he got the mind of Christ, she was ready. He was ready. And so your humor, think about your humor. What do you laugh about? What, what is that? It actually matters. And that is creating the mind of Christ. Would the mind of Christ laugh at that? Or would the mind of Christ make that cutting remark or not? Think about that. It matters. Um, your friends, they say that you're the sum of the closest five people around you divided by five. And so that's you. Okay, so who are you surrounding yourself with? Good char good, bad character corrupts 
wait, bad company corrupts good character. You might have great character, but bad company comes around, you keep them around, you're going to start getting corrupted and like that. Think about who you're spending your time with. Think about your entertainment and what you're turning on, on Netflix and Disney Plus and whatever you watch. Think about that. And what is that doing to cultivate the culture in your mind? And the mind of Christ, is is the mind of Christ being in, in charge there or is it your flesh? Think about your entertainment. Think about your attitude. What is your attitude like? Is everything negative? Is everything like, oh, you know, a bummer? Or do you have an attitude of like, oh, we're going to get through this. Oh, actually, like, you know, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. You have these things where it's like, no, my attitude is going to go, it's going to go towards positive things. It's going to go towards the mind of Christ. Think about your attitude. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have this inner dialogue that isn't so nice. It's like kind of critiquing everything or kind of pointing out all the negative stuff. And it's like, I need to stop that. It's kind of like what Pastor Jake said about you you review it, you replace it, or if you're Pentecostal, you rebuke it. And then you, (laughs) right? And then you, oh, you refuse it or you rebuke it. And then you replace it. You replace it with something good. And so when I have an inner dialogue that's kind of yucky, kind of negative, kind of tending towards um, just kind of pessimism and critique, I have to change it go, nope, what, what would the mind of Christ say about this situation or that person? And change it. How are you spending your time? That's another one. How are you spending your time? And then lastly, what is your language like? What kind of words have you been using? Have your words been kind of starting to tend towards negativity or cutting people down or profanity? Or are you getting okay a little bit with these saying these things that you would have never said before? Think about these things. These are all small, but they end up creating the culture of our, our mind. And then, you know, is this the attitude of Christ? Is this the mind of Christ? Or is this my flesh, right? They all matter. You know, I think sometimes we get a little bit relaxed. We get a little bit lax and we think, eh, whatever. Like, I just have what I have. I have the life in the inner world that I have. And we need to get um, desperate. We need to get desperate because the world that we're living in is pushing a certain mindset, is pushing a spirit. And we need to get desperate and say, I'm not going down. I'm not going to let my thoughts drift towards this direction. We need to be ruthless and we need to shake things up. Um, in our minds and, and pursue mind change, pursue the mind of Christ. So something recently I was struggling with was just like I was feeling a little bit like blah, you know? Do you ever feel like you're just kind of, you, you, you were passionate and you were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your flame just starts getting a little bit meh. And you're like, oh, I'm just kind of content with my life the way it is. And I'm not chasing after anything God has put in front of me. I'm just kind of letting it all happen. And I was starting to think about the U of O students. At the U of O, we have thousands and thousands of students, international and national, that come for school. And a lot of students, when they come to school, if they grew up in church, that's the moment that they leave. And they get involved in a lot of things that are pulling them down. I thought, God, there's this whole entire group of students here that are vulnerable, and I'm not doing anything about it. Here I am, the young adults pastor. It's like, we're not doing anything at the U of O. We need to get on the U of O. My mind was saying that, but I was like, but I don't feel like it. I just don't have a passion for it. And I was like, God, I need, that's not okay. I need to have a passion for the things of God. I need to have a passion for the souls that are out there that are being lost. Amen? You ever find yourself in this place of, I just don't don't have a passion for it. Or I don't really want to witness to my neighbors. Or I don't really want to, like, live a holy life. And you need to recognize that. And that's a warning sign. That's an alert that says, ooh, you got... You got to get rid of that mindset. You need the mind of Christ. 
So you got to get desperate. And so I actually found this conference, or I heard of it by the grace of God, called the Holy Spirit Conference. Now, that sounds good <laughs> to me. Um, so I went down to the Holy Spirit Conference in L.A., rented a car, and just, it was a big sacrifice, spent every day at the beach. But, um, <laughs> but then I went to the conference. And, <laughs> and at the conference, I just felt like it renewed me. I had to get desperate. I had to buy a ticket. Get me out of here. I need to, like, renew my mind. I need to get back in the mind of Christ, get this passion back. And when we were there, one of the, they had an opportunity to get prayer. So at the end, I just went up, and I was telling the guy kind of my situation. He just stopped me, and he's like, you know what? I just had this vision of you, like, opening the blinds in your room. And I just moved into a new room that has this big window. It was really, he didn't know that, hopefully, ahead of time. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyways, so, um, well, open the blinds, and he's like, the light's pouring in, and you're just taking communion. And I was like, that's an interesting thought. I had never thought about just taking communion on my own and just spending time. We, we do it at Upper Room every month here. But other than that, I don't take communion. And he just said that, and I held on to it because I so desperately want to continue my relationship with Jesus to be strong. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to have the passion of Christ. I want to be, I want to be doing what the Father loves. I want to say what the Father says. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to have that passion as a youth and then let it go and just kind of like, whatever. No, I'm not here for that. That's not why I'm on earth. And so... I'm going to do this communion thing. So for the last, like, three weeks, I've been taking communion every morning. I feel a little swig of pomegranate juice and, like, whatever cracker I can find. First service, uh, I said that I had some nice bread, and it disappeared. And I kind of blamed it on my roommates, and I was like, one of them stole it. Figured out it wasn't Ara, so then it had to be Emma. And I was like, it's not like Emma. So I was like, I don't know what happened, but it still, it was one of them. And then after service, I just went out into my office. I look in a bag, and there's my bread. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay. But anyways, I've been taking communion. And I wasn't going to tell anyone about that because I felt like I don't want to sound like boasty or anything. This wasn't even my idea. So I'm not boasting. But I wanted to tell you guys so that you could maybe do this too. Maybe this is what you need to, like, renew your mind, get back into loving Christ. Get back into wanting to be with him and pursuing him. And um, when you sit down with that, bre with that bread and that cup and you just think about him every single morning, man, it starts to change things. You start to walk into your day with a different mindset, with a different, feel like God's presence in a new way. And so shake things up. Maybe you can't go to LA and go to Holy Spirit Conference and sit on the beach and get Goodwill Zara jackets. Um, Goodwills in L.A. are where it's at, okay? Uh, but maybe you need to join a joy group. Maybe you need to make sure that you don't miss an upper room. You come to upper room every week, every month that we offer it because you're like, I'm desperate for the presence of God. I'm desperate to have the mind of Christ so that I can have the peace, so I can know him, first of all. And then I know that that's going to transform my life. Instead of being content, just kind of sitting around in the muck. No, I'm going to relentlessly pursue God and do what it takes to have the mind of Christ would you guys do that? Would you do something? Would you commit to changing something, shaking it up so that you can have the mind of Christ? Relentlessly pursue it like your life depends on it because it kind of does. Thirdly, we need to have mind resolve. And I'm getting close on time, so I'm going to kind of speed through this. But Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 
perfect peace. You know that word steadfast in English, it means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. I'm not going anywhere. I am stayed on Christ. I am steadfast on him. It's not a maybe I will follow through with my dedication to the Lord. We'll see how hard it gets or we'll see how long I have to wait for what I want. And if I don't get what I want when I want it, then maybe I'm going to try my plan B and, you know, God did it. You know what I mean? No, we have to be steadfast and stayed on him and say, no, God, if you don't go, I don't go. If you don't say yes, I don't say yes. And I am stayed on you. Why? Because I trust in you. And it says you will keep in perfect peace those, who mind, who, those whose minds are steadfast on him. And in the original Hebrew, that steadfast word, it means it's like leaning on. It's like dependent on. It's like in. It's kind of like, it gives me the picture of like either a, it's like a, something that is getting its security, getting its strength, getting its every dependence is coming from what it's leaning on. And it's just kind of like that with God. Okay. Will you be like that? Will you be steadfast in leaning on him like Willem in the car, you know, by himself with two broken femurs and no dad? Will you be steadfast and will you say, no, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust you. I trust you, God, so much that I can praise you in this moment. You need mind resolve that says no matter what, I will praise God. So think of Daniel. I'll close it up with this, but Daniel 1.8, it says, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food. Daniel grew up as an Israelite. He had, there were certain laws that he couldn't eat certain things or drink certain things. And he was taken from his homeland and brought into Babylon where he was being kind of indoctrinated or whatever, but taught all the Babylonian ways and language and everything. And they put before him this feast and said, okay, this is going to be your food, Daniel and the other guys. And you're going to eat this every day. And he said, this is, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the king's food. And because he knew what honored God, and he said, there's no way. Do you know what honors God? And are you resolved to only honor God, no matter how good that thing in front of you looks, no matter how many people around you are falling for it? Are you resolved to honor God? Daniel was willing to be different. Could you put your name in his place? But, you know, Eileen, but... Suzanne, but Sierra, but John, can you put your name in there and say, you know what, no matter what happens in life, even if everyone is going, the pattern of the world is this way, I am going to stay different. When you're in the locker room with the guys and they're laughing about this, but Seth said that instead, right? But, you know, the women in the, the talking at the playground and they're all kind of saying negative things about their husband, will you go, what's the mind of Christ in this moment? And say, nope, I'm going to put a but in front of my name and it's going to be, but Nikki wouldn't do that, right? I resolved, okay? So God is calling us to have resolve. God is calling us to say no to cultural pressure, no to the flesh, and just lean into the mind of Christ. And he promises that he'll give his peace and his joy to us in those moments. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So the mind of Christ is resolved on him and what pleases him. God, Dan God honored Daniel when Daniel honored him. And it says that at the end, when he ate only the food that honored God and chose not to eat the food that was defiled, it says that he looked 10 times better than all the other guys. And when the king saw that, he said, 
let's make this the diet of everybody. <laughs> They're all like, dang. Um, but <laughs> 10 times better. You know what? God's way, it's at least 10 times better than the world's way. And the world will see that when we, are, when we do what God says, it's better. And there's another verse in the Bible that says that may your life be so good that when, when, when people that don't know the Lord see it, they will actually glorify God. May your life be so good that even people that don't agree with the way you're living may see it and glorify God. So that is what God calls us to do, to, to, do, to have the mind of Christ that says, I'm resolved to the things of God. And God will honor that. And you'll see in your life just the beautiful reward of resolved, a resolved mind towards him. So I just want to close with this. How do you win the mind games and get the peace and the joy of the Lord? You need a mind replacement. You need a mind replacement. If you're in this room and you're like, I don't have that mind replacement. I haven't given my life to the Lord. Today is your day. He's got a mind right here for you. He's like, I have a new heart, a heart of flesh. I want to give you. I want to trade your heart. It, it, needs, it needs a replacement. I want to trade that and give you my heart. I want to give you my mind. If you are in this room and you need a mind replacement, we're going to pray. You need to come to Jesus. Maybe you just need mind renewal. We all need mind renewal. And maybe you just need to pray and ask God, what are those areas in my life where I need mind renewal? And pray and ask God to help you. Or maybe you need a mind resolve. You've been letting things kind of go this way or go that way. You need to say, this is the day that I decided that I am resolved to only honor God and I will not defile myself with the things of this world. I will have the mind of Christ. Okay, well, I want to pray with us and just kind of close this service. Lord, we thank you that you are so good, you're so gracious, and you give us your mind. You give us the mind of Christ when we come to you in faith and belief and, and trust and obedience, Lord God. And when we have your mind, you give it us the peace and joy of Christ. Lord, we thank you for that gift. And Lord, may we honor you with our lives. May we cultivate a mind that honors you, God. Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room that feels convicted and they're like, I've been having, my, my garden is full of weeds. Lord, I pray that you would just come in with your love and that you would encourage them and say, I'm, gonna, I'm gardening with you. You're not alone. Lord God, help us to uproot the things that don't belong and that are choking out the good seed. Lord, help us to rely on you for our strength daily and to, to start each day acknowledging you and say, God, I just want your mind. Would you give me your mind? I want to be with you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those who have, that don't know you and that they want to follow you today, God, we thank you for them. God, we pray for a new heart, a new mind. So if that's you, if you're in this room and you're like, I need a new mind, I need a mind replacement, would you raise your hand? Today's your day. Let's pray. A prayer of faith. If that's you, just raise your hand and we're going to repeat. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. Awesome. Okay, let's repeat this together. If you're a believer, you can repeat it. And if you're saying this for the first time, let's repeat it. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God. You died on the cross for my sins. And I'm in need of a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Would you give me a new mind and a new heart? In Jesus' name. Amen.